the Freed from the Real podcast is brought to you each week by PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and CapeFearGames.com. You can listen to us each week on PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and MTGCast.com. One of your hosts, AJ. With me, as ever, is the delightful Kiersele. Hey guys, how's it going? And as ever, this is the Free From The Real podcast, bringing you all the news that's fit to listen to regarding the online game and stuff from the offline game which is of relevance to us. One thing very relevant to everyone who plays the game is the next uh, unspoiled set. What's coming up in M13 and does has anything caught your eye yet? Yeah, so we've started to have uh, some spoilers for Magic 2013, and there's some interesting things in there, both for what we, we see and then what we can probably predict not to see based on that. Um, two things that immediately stick out are the new additions for the set, because they've been trying to mix things up recently in multicolor, in a, in the core sets, and one of those is multicolor, like I just said, and the other one is bringing back the Exalted mechanic, likely taking the place of uh, Bloodthirst. So those are two interesting things. And we see the multicolor mechanic, the big splashy card that we have for that, is that Nicol Bolas Planeswalker is getting a reprint. Um, originally came out in Conflux, I believe? Yep. Yeah. Uh, pretty beefy dude. Four, a blue, a black, a black, and a red. Total Grand total of eight mana for the big bad Nicol Bolas who blows up other Planeswalkers or lands and things like that, steals creatures, and kind of just devastates you. <laughs> yep. He was... Um... Very popular when he came out, um, even expensive as he was, because you drop that on the board and uh, your opponent is going to get wrecked. Absolutely. He's a very interesting card, and I'm glad they're reprinting him. I think he's very iconic and cool, and it's something neat that people can have, and this is kind of a release valve from the insane price he started to climb to, despite not having any tournament success, but just being a Mythic and a middle set from the early days of Mythics. Yep. So that one's pretty cool. An interesting mythic coming back that um, I hadn't expected them to reprint is Sarah Avatar, which was initially from Urza's block. Uh, seven mana Avatar with power and toughness equal to your own life total. And whenever this is put into a graveyard from anywhere, shuffle it into its owner's library. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it has the anti-reanimation clause that we see in a lot of the fatties these days. Um, and I think it was one of the first ones to have the anti-reanimation clause. At least... Pretty much. Yeah. But uh, I actually had to do a double-take. I thought this was on the the uh, the reprint list, or the not-reprintable not list. And so I was surprised to see it back, just like uh, you said. But it's pretty cool. It's a neat card. Um, and certainly relevant to the storyline, you know, with Sarah being so popular. Yep. It's... Um... A very interesting card to see back, certainly. it's um, They do have uh, new art for it. It's uh, very definitely coming back. It's um, Yeah, it's uh, a good thing it's not on the list, really. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sweet. Um, a couple of reprints that are holdovers from Magic 2012. We have some Planeswalkers coming back, um, along with Nicol Bolas, but these are from Magic 2012. We have Garak, Primal Hunter, 
will be making a return. Uh, Chandra the Firebrand comes back, and so does Jace the Memory Adept. Uh, so that is your red, blue, and uh, green Planeswalkers making a return. White and black, still not sure. So. It uh, does appear that the white and black will be uh, new Planeswalkers, a uh, uh, four-mana Liliana and a three-mana uh, possibly a Jani, although we're not sure on that yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so some interesting things bring me I, I kind of like the formula of... Um, a couple of recurring planeswalkers and then a couple uh, new ones to kind of mix mix it up. It almost seems they have a pop, they have a uh, policy of um, uh, reprint planeswalkers um, uh, at least twice somehow mm-hmm. uh, via the um, uh, dual deck sets or um, however they plan to do it because all of those three. Uh, first saw their printing in the last uh, um, core set. They're back now. Mm-hmm. They're initially along with two reprinted Planeswalkers, Sorin and Gideon, mm-hmm. both of whom, uh, uh, well, Gideon at least was from um, Rise, a stand, uh, Rise, the standalone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there were... so it does seem, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely interesting. That's a good point. I hadn't realized that. So this way, there's at least a couple of printings of the Planeswalkers, which I think is cool. Because, um, again, kind of like Nicol Bolas, they're, they're iconic. They're an iconic part of Magic. They tend to be very powerful cards. And that's something you want to make sure that people can get their hands on if they want them. You don't want them to become these, you know, illusions of dreams, kind of like the Power Nine are and were for some players back in the day. We're like, oh, those are so cool when you hear about them. But you never see them, and there you just hear tales of their hundreds of dollars of price tags. Yeah. Now um, there are a couple of other cards. Looking at the common section, uh, Archaeomancer, which is uh, two colorless, two blue, which is a, a one-two human wizard. Mm-hmm. With when Archaeomancer enters the battlefield, return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. Which pretty solidly obsoletes, ooh, Scrivener, Anarchist, pity about that. And, um, oh, who is the, um, is it, um... Yeah, he's the five-mana combo Arcanist and Scrivener. He was three red and a blue for a 2-2 that did the same thing. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but I know he, yeah. Yeah. Okay, you lose a point of power, and um, compared to Scrivener, you have a more stringent color requirement, but uh, this is a four-mana um, regrow, a spell guy. Yeah, so it's, um, it's very interesting, and especially because we just got um, Peel from Reality back. Um, I don't know if that's certainly constructive playable. I remember in Limited... Uh, during Ravnica, Kill from Reality was a card I was always on the lookout for because I wanted to windmill slam the uh, the Dissension guy that we were talking about, the Isn't guy. God, I can't remember his name right now. Because you could just sit there and infinitely bounce him in an opponent's creature, replay him, get back Peel, and then keep going and going and going and going. Yep. And if they didn't repay the creature, you just swung in for two. Absolutely. Um, and also, he would interestingly, if there's if there's something that's useful for into the battlefield effects. This guy would combo infinitely with um, Cloud Shift as well. Yep. You could just you could pay the one white and bounce him and then give Cloud Shift back and keep recurring that. So if there's something that 
um, inter a creature entering the battlefield, particularly a human, um, in blue-white, that would be a pretty sweet combo. Or the other thing to grab would be Sudden Disappearance. Mm -hmm. Make all your creatures blink and recur the spell. I mean, there's, that's um, plenty breakable with uh, just what we have in standard now. Absolutely, yeah. There's some interesting potential. Um, obviously, you know, creature combos are fragile, but that's a card to look out for. It's a good one to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. They do seem to be... Um, now, one thing I've noticed, they did do Legends in the core set once, I believe for X, X edition, yes. uh, when we had the uh, likes of... Um, Arcanus yeah. and all those guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we apparently get them back, and some new ones at that. Yes, we have uh, Legendary Creatures in the core set again. Uh, Talrand Sky Summoner, which is a 2-2 two -two for 2 blue and 2, Legendary Merfolk Wizard, with whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a 2-2 two -two uh, blue drake creature token with flying onto the battlefield. Does this card confuse you flavor-wise like it confuses me? Well, it does say <laughs> Sky Summoner. I understand that, but he's a he's a merfolk wizard, but he's Lord of the Drakes whenever he uses magic? Like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I guess I don't get it. Well, if he was a merf, he's not going to summon his own people when he can summon minions. He's a wizard. A blue one at that. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I just going through it, I was very confused flavor wise. I think it's a pretty cool card. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's gonna be a pain in the butt and limited whenever your opponent plays it. Um, yes, but it's it's pretty neat and it's yeah, like you said, it's cool that we get legendary creatures in uh, the core set. We also have a uh, black creature um, showing off the new mechanic. Apparently, Exalted has shifted out of green white to a degree and into black. And we see that in Neferox, Overlord of Grixis, uh, which we're also seeing, you know, the in particular plane referenced here. But he is a yeah. six mana five five legendary demon who flies and is has exalted. And whenever he attacks alone, your opponent sacrifices a creature. Yep, which is a, a pretty solid power. Um, swing for five. Uh, strip him out a creature well swing for six rather because if he's attacking alone he's exalted so absolutely kills kills in four um most down your opponent's creatures while doing it um and of course works ridiculously well with all the um uh black if you've only got one creature stuff from um uh Everson Resort absolutely yeah the the loner concept of black um, the Exalted's a decent tie-in to that, and certainly his particular ability of attacking alone. If you had him with the uh, the tower, I don't remember the name of it, but it gives plus three, plus one, and lifelink if you only have the one creature. Um, yep. So that'd be swinging in for nine with lifelink, and your opponent sacks a dude. That'd be pretty strong. That's pretty nice, yeah. Um, now, looking at the red cards, there's some stuff which is really pleasing and some which is a bit concerning. Now, the good stuff... Dragon Hatchling, a common red and a colorless zero one dragon with fire breathing and flying. Pretty interesting. <laughs> Pretty cool. Very cheap. Yeah. Evasive fire breathing is absolutely deadly in a mono deck. And this thing in a dragon tribal deck, I, it's something which um, fills out the curve early on and starts piling on the damage whilst you're ramping up to get your big stuff. Yeah. Um, 
evasive and evasive pump is uh, always potentially very nasty. I mean, if they, you think about if they printed a um, shade with uh, those stats. Yeah, I think it was they've printed zero one shades before with like I think it was three or four mana uh, for yeah. an evasive zero one shade. Wasn't evasive. What's that? Well, I think it's, it's, there's like a three or four. No, there's a. It's like from Stronghold. There's like a four mana with zero one with fear or something like that, and uh, mm-hmm. pump for a black dungeon shade or something like that. But again, it was four mana, not two. I think it was a one one. Was he? Yeah. But either way, but four, two, four mana. <laughs> yeah, a two mana evasive source of um, as much damage as you have um, mountains. Yeah, people are going to go mono red, and they're going to win with that common. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, it's very interesting. And then we also have some interesting pseudo reprints um, in Flames of the Firebrand and Searing Spear. Now, Flames of the Firebrand, I'm pretty sure, is just a direct uh, functional reprint of Arc Lightning. It's three mana sorcery that deals three damage divided amongst one, two, or three targets. Yes. Uh, so that's just Arc Lightning exactly. And then Searing Spear is pretty much incinerate, except that you deal three damage to target creature or player, but they can still regenerate. Slightly better than Volcanic Hammer in this instant speed, but still a bit disappointing compared to what we used to be able to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I and I but I kind of like that. It actually because before regeneration essentially didn't mean anything uh, for the longest mm-hmm. time. Like when you look back in history, like you think about Magic when we had like incinerate and terror. It's like every removal spell you couldn't regenerate from. So you're like, what's the point of regeneration? Uh, the first time yep. the first time it really became good, uh, really strong with him, it was like Troll Aesthetic, because it couldn't be targeted, so then you could just regenerate in combat, and he was actually good. And we've seen a push towards making removal, uh, like switching from Terror to Doomblade, uh, so, and now switching from Incinerate to Searing Spear, to make regeneration relevant to removal. The thing is, this thing has the exact same text as Lightning Bolt, except it's twice as expensive. Mm-hmm. And I mean, lightning bolts overpowered. I think mean, we've we've realized this. Yes, I mean they printed shock um, for a one mana damage spell. Uh, well, the initial attempt to obsolete it, of course, was incinerate itself, and now they've gone and thought incinerate is too powerful. So, you know. I mean, I think we'll just see in years. You know, they'll tweak it. I think it could. This could have been a good time to bring lightning bolt back uh, with where with red's current standing. Um, mm. But then again, I think everything other than blue-white Delver's standing is very, very shaky right now, which means we might be looking at some band hammer issues in mm. about two weeks. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those tools where they can kind of pick the burn spell based on where what red is doing in the other sets and how powerful it is and what the hosers are to red. And that means they can kind of – it's not saying that – Searing Spear is necessarily where the bar is set, but just where it is right now. If we could shift back to Incinerate sometimes, and sometimes we could move to Lightning Bolt even, sometimes we might have to go down to Shock uh, or Volcanic Hammer. I think that's just a cool thing that they can play with and say that there's never a static answer. Yeah. And of course, it gives more options to uh, Mono Red Burn in Modern. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Um, But I remember there was an article by Aaron Forsyth a few years ago when he had started this philosophy shift for the core sets, um, he said one of the things was that in the in R and D they had always talked about like you know just plugging in pieces like before they put new cards in there when they were always just changing the core set with cards that are currently printed the idea was that eventually they would find a perfect core set 
they would get to a point where like this is what this is the core of magic and like these are the 250 cards that we're just going to reprint forever because that's the foundation of magic and he kind of turned them on their heads when he's like well maybe there is no perfect set maybe it's dependent upon everything that's going on because magic is a very fluid game by its very nature um so maybe they should he's like maybe we need to stop striving for this perfect set and just play around and change things from time to time to shake things up and i i think we've gotten good results from that yep on the Johnny side, there's a fun little um, uh, new Phoenix, a four mana, four two, uh, three colorless, one red, with triple red and a colorless, return firing Phoenix from your graveyard to your hand and flying. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see so it. basically, go on. Uh, that's the same. You know, we see a new Phoenix every now and again. They keep, it's, an, it's a fun little mechanic to play around with, and a couple of them have certainly been good and seen play. Um, they're interesting. Red's chance to get card advantage. And I'm sure you appreciate it for Phoenix Tribal. Hmm, quite so. <laughs> um, this one is... Uh, you don't tend to see um, Phoenixes which return any time you like. It's usually upkeep triggers, and they do seem to be moving away from that, which is a good thing. Yeah, they've seen some interesting ways to play with it. Like, I know Chandra's Phoenix was damage-based, um, which certainly doesn't seem like a challenge in red decks. And then, I like this one. It's... In, Cool concept to just be able to get it back whenever you feel like. Yep. Um, how about green? Now with green, um, we're getting uh, the likes of Arbor Elf and Primordial Hydra back. Mm-hmm. Arbor Elf probably signaling that Llanowar Elf is not going to be in there. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about whether or not Noble Hierarch will come back because it is a very prevalent card in modern. They're bringing back Exalted. It seems like this. If there was ever a time that this would be it. So essentially, have both Land of War Elves and Birds of Paradise out of the core set. That's that's what that would signal. Because uh, obviously, if Arbor Elf, I think, would mean that we don't get Land of War Elf. Hmm. That's fair enough. It makes an interesting change from uh, what we've had previously. Mm-hmm. And, of course, untapped target forest could tie nicely in with uh, Ravnica if the um, lands are interesting. That's that's very true. And it could also, I mean, even potentially tie in with uh, Magic 2013. The only land we have spoiled other than the basic lands is Evolving Wilds. Um, yeah. So it could signal that we're going to see the Shocklands come back in Magic 2013. Or if not, it could be in, um, like I said, Return to Ravnica, because he does play nice with those lands. Yes. Um It'll be worth seeing what happens there. We have a new variant of the ever-popular overrun-type card. In this case, uh, five mana, two of which green, sorcery. Creatures you control get plus three, plus three until end of turn. Each creature your opponents control blocks this turn if able. So it doesn't give you trample, but it does clear the path next turn. Yeah, it's it's basically... It doesn't say that all of your creatures have to be blocked, so I imagine it'll be like, you know, they'll triple or quadruple up on your biggest dude or something, but trading one or two guys for their entire army uh, certainly isn't bad. Yep. If you've got a um, first striking death toucher, even more fun. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But yeah, overall some interesting stuff uh, shaping up with the limited number of cards we have. And there's a couple of interesting... 
things that we can kind of infer from that. Like we said, we don't have any lands yet, uh, so we don't know about that. We've talked about the Planeswalkers. One that I noticed is that Clone um, is getting a reprint, um, yep. which would signal to me that Phantasmal Image should not be coming back. Well, it seems nice to go back to the um, old Stalwarts after having uh, uh, tried our hand at all manner of uh, cheaper clones left, right, and center recently. Absolutely, yeah, and I think that's that's fine. Uh, just something to keep in mind. But that card was pretty strong, um, and it kind of I think it somewhat hinders the ability of legendary creatures, to, especially the bigger ones, to be good when you can just wait, essentially like wasteland them uh, for two mana. And since we're seeing legendary creatures in Magic 2013, that's probably a good switch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But a four-mana sorcery speed uh, kill target legend in blue is no bad thing. Yeah, it's not bad, but it's it's not hindering to playing the legends then. Um, yes. Yeah, cool. Also, it's um, good. Go. yeah, sorry, and much like predicted is that we have not seen the Titans making an appearance uh at this time, I don't think they're coming back. But uh, I think they probably got the message loud and clear yeah. on the Titans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we will see those guys go bye bye. Mm -hmm. We have an interesting uh, flavor edition as well. One last um, one, Zathrid Gorgon, referring to the uh, Zathrid Demon and Acolyte of Zathrid, which we saw previously. I thought this was going to be the first card you bring up when I saw this. Like, this is like a perfect AJ card. Mm -hmm. Well, it's very flavorful. Yeah. And um, it's a 3-6 Death Touch creature with um, two and a black tap, put a petrification counter on target creature. It gains Defender and becomes a colorless artifact in addition to its other types. Its activated abilities can't be activated. Interestingly, um, almost a callback to uh, Basalt Golem here. Yeah, a little bit. I get the feeling they might have wanted to make it the creature can't attack or block, but I guess that might have been too many words because uh, it's a pretty wordy card. Well, fair enough. The game's defender. Yeah. Oh, look, you've turned all my creatures into statues. Fine, I'll stick the statue in the way of your uh, rampaging creature. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> um. That is a very good uh, turn to stone um, feel for it, if you will. Yeah, it's absolutely one of the most flavorful cards um, that we have spoiled so far. Mm -hmm. They do seem to be always trying to say, uh, how can we do a cursed mummy? Or how can we do a leash? Or how can we do um, a hydra which regrows its head each corset these days? So things which really have resonant flavor or at least hark back to the um, ancient Greek mythologies. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, that one's uh, one of the best Gorgons ever printed. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so it's very interesting, and I'm glad they, they do those from time to time, and the core sets are a great time to do that. It maybe even gives them ideas or can link into future things. Like, I know when we saw um, the Pharaoh from the last core set, that people felt like an Egyptian block might be sometime in the future, and it still could be. Um, so, okay. Maybe we'll have a Clash of the Titans block soon. The less Titans, the better. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Greek type of Titans, not the Magic the Gathering Titans. I suppose there is um, 
certainly scope for a, a dragon's teeth skeleton um, token generation system. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but although, although the flavour of that, um, why saying dragon's teeth would give you an army of skeletons. Good luck explaining that when even the Greeks didn't. Yeah, that's true. That'd be a tricky one to pull off. Um, but yeah, and then again, no matter what, people complain about flavor if it doesn't fit perfectly in their idea of what the flavor should be. So, But yeah, that would be quite a stretch. Right. Uh, should we move on? Yeah, I think that's all the spoilers that we have. There might be some more by the time this goes up, but that's pretty much what we see. Um, so we will drift in. We got some news um, about half-price uh, premiere events. Yep, or at least the one half-price premiere event. They're uh, putting a spotlight on modern, they say, mm-hmm. which means on June the 9th at, um, I believe it's um, 9 a.m. PST. Yep, 9 a.m. Pacific. They will have a premiere event for modern. Um, pretty much just like any other premiere event for modern, except the price is cut in half. You can play in it for only five tickets. Uh, this would be an interesting thing for them to try with uh, some of the less popular formats. Is like just every once in a while have a discounted premiere event or two to uh, boost up attendance. Yep. A lower cost of entry, a higher expected value. Absolutely. Because, I mean, the, the prize value, the prizes on premiere events are great, and they're a great way to play a lot of rounds um, mm. that matter in a tournament, tournament format and play against good players. But if you're hesitant to slam down 10 tickets on a single event, then uh, this may be a way to help mitigate that. You can dip your toe into the format, similar to what we saw with the uh, Planeswalker events, where they tried to get those, use those with the drafts and seals to get people to try out other formats at a discount. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will be very interesting to see if um, all the new chums will help encourage the sharks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, it's a you know, it's it's a good time. We just had a set come out, and modern isn't really in the spotlight, so there hasn't been a whole lot of innovation on it. Cause it's not a like a PTQ season or anything. So um, this would be a good time to innovate, shake things up. Mm-hmm. Is there a good modern miracle deck? Yeah. Or if you want to, you know, give a run at uh, Gristle Brand Reanimator. Yep. Um. Is pay seven um, at a time necropotent um, significantly weaker than necropotence, or is drawing life for cards always going to be deadly? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll we'll find out. So yeah, if you got an idea, or you just want to you know just run out your affinity or you know fairy deck, then go out and give it a shot. June 9th, half price. Mm-hmm. Right then. Now let's see uh, how much it would cost to uh, build a new deck for modern with uh, stuff from uh, at least Lara, at least Born and other cards in standard. As Lara Born. Uh, yep, as Lara <laughs> yeah. Sorry, it's AR. <laughs> yeah, two words sounded about right. Similar. Yeah. Yes. Uh, no. What's that AR magic set? Oh, that one. Wrong one. Exactly. Well, for the most part, prices have come down on a lot of cards. In fact, we don't have a whole lot on the list that's still up there. I think the one that's really surprising to me that holds its value is Restoration Angel, uh, which is still at 750 um, mm-hmm. Not that it's not a good card, but just the fact that it is a regular rare um, that's only you know played in a handful of decks, it is very good. But also, it's going to be the uh, promotional card that will be handed out um, 
at the championship event for Avacyn Restored. So to continue to stay up there at 750 um, and being the second most valuable rare in the set is uh, pretty impressive. Hmm. One card which I'm quite annoyed is retaining its value is Bonfire of the Damned, which is uh, over 25 um, ticks apiece at the moment, 25.41 to be precise. Yes, I mean, that puts it in the upper echelons of the $100 playset cards, of which there are only about 20 or so on Magic Online. Yeah. Maybe 30 or so. And this, yeah, and this is a standard rare in the currently drafted set. Well, standard mythic in the currently drafted set. Yeah, but in a set that's being drafted and sealed quite a bit right now, and at six and three packs regardless, it's actually going back up in value. It dipped close to about 20 for a little while there, but then it's gone right back up to 25. So people love their bonfires. And yeah, I also find it annoying because I would like to get some, but I'm just I'm a little hesitant still at this price. Mm-hmm. Entreat the Angels has dropped at least. It's down to 12.86 at the moment. So uh, at the very least, if you're trying to get a nice mystic miracle going, you can always summon up a horde of angels. Mm-hmm. Or take a few extra turns with uh, Temporal Mastery at 917. Mm-hmm. Although I'd um, uh, definitely prefer summoning angels to... Um, say, for example, trying to solve crimes on the back of a BMX. <laughs> oh, AJ. Moving it's on. an obscure reference, but uh, yes. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, we have uh, Tamio, who's also kind of ratcheting down. She's a very specific card um, for a couple of decks, so I don't think she can hold as much value. She's down to 1880. Uh, Sigarda, the most valuable of the Powderpuff Girl Angels is at 397. And then not a whole lot. Most everything else has dropped off. Cavern of Souls is still up there at 785. And there's a couple yeah. like two and three dollar rares that are hanging on, but they're dropping in value like rocks. Yep. We'll, um, we're not seeing an awful lot of value in the uh, set still, but um, yeah, it still costs a fair bit. Mm hmm. Yeah, hopefully it'll it'll stay a little it'll get a little more diversified as other decks emerge uh, in the format because you don't want to see a concentration of value like we've certainly seen in the past and having forty and fifty and sixty dollar cards. I'd prefer it to be spread at the cost to be spread out across as many cards as possible. Yes, uh, the cheaper each individual card is, the um, uh, even if the set still has the same price to uh, be purchased as a whole. It's um, a lot healthier, both for the formats and for the uh, bank balances of those trying to play them. Absolutely. One that kind of surprises me, it's gone down quite a bit, is uh, the Wolfear Silverheart, which sees just as much play, I feel like, as Restoration Angel, (laughs) Um, usually because they go in pretty much the same decks, but is down to about $3 um, and is not going to be the release release promo. So, I don't know, that one kind of baffles me. Maybe people look at it and see the Three Wolf Moon t-shirt um, too much smiling back at them. <laughs> Maybe. Um, and because we don't want to be, you know, drooling all over our new baby and ignoring our other kids, we did take a look at some other prices um, from the block. Geist of St. Trapped is really shooting up the charts um, on the back of Blue White's popularity, and also because the idea of Exalted coming back makes that card really, really appealing. Yeah. Um, particularly if we get Noble Hierarch, because to go and turn turn to Geist from a Noble Hierarch in standard, it's pretty potent. 
um, and potentially playing another exalted creature and attacking for eight on turn three seems pretty ruthless. Yeah. And of course, he works ridiculously well with um, uh, Soulbound if that becomes more of a deck. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so he's he's seen a lot of value from because a he's a good card to begin with, and b the things that are coming out seem to only make him better. Um, another a recent addition that's shooting up the charts is Falconrath Aristocrat, very successful in block constructed, um, a poed creature, and it's now gone up to about eight tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, um, most of the things that were valuable are still value. Garuk the Relent- Garuk Relentless is at 16. Huntmaster of the Fells is sold out at 25. Swords of Money and Wallet Slang are at 34 and 27, uh, respectively. Yep. And then uh, Snapcaster Mage is also up there. He's at about $6. Whilst they uh, did feel they had to complete the sword cycle when they returned to uh, to um, uh, Mirrodin. Um Mythic pretty much made this inevitable if they were any good. And hey, they are. Yeah. Colorless swords with card advantageous abilities or severe damage dealing abilities are typically pretty good, um, being colorless and sliding into all the aggressive decks that they have out right now. Yeah. Yep. Kind of had that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of your tops from uh, Standard right now. So. Although, again, yep. with. Um, Blue-white being the massive uh, powerhouse that it is right now. I think it took all top eight spots at a recent Star City Games event. It'll be interesting to see if we have any action happen uh, come the 20th when we get a banned restricted announcement. Yes. Is 3-2 uh, for 1 too powerful for blue with evasion? Well, I mean, you know, a 3-3 three, three for 1 from green was too powerful <laughs> in a much bigger format. <laughs> And without evasion. Yeah. <laughs> Blue got jealous. I mean, it's um, crowned as the uh, most um, powerful color. Admittedly, it was never actually under any threat whatsoever, but, you know, you got to throw it a bone every now and then. Yeah, but Blue was like, you know what? I'm tired of being the best color for control and combo. I want to be the best color for aggro, too. Raw. Yes. <laughs> Fish decks in Legacy just aren't powerful enough for me. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, that kind of wraps up prices. Uh, so we'll go ahead and roll into question of the week. Uh, question of the week this week. How long have you been playing Magic? You can, you know, look at it offline, online, both, whatever you think it's filled. But uh, how long have you been playing Magic? AJ? Well, I've never really, well, apart from a couple of um, uh, mass pile bits of dabbling with a friend of um, a friend back when I lived in the States, um, I've been pretty much via computer since the very beginning. And I do mean the very beginning. My um, uh, first experience with Magic was the demo version of uh, Shandalar. So before the even the official release of the um, first Magic computer game, I was there. <laughs> About the mid-90s there, Ross. Ah, Shandalar. Uh, all right, cool. As for me, um, I've, been, I've you know, obviously like most players who played... Uh, Paper Magic from the early days have started and stopped a couple of times. Um, I began really, I actually started playing Magic um, and Revised would be the first time I played. Oddly enough, it was kind of an accident. Um, my mom had purchased some uh, magazines for me, like because I was a big time like video game player, like you know most 
seven and eight and ten year olds my at that time uh, who loved their Super Nintendos. And my mom thought she was buying me some video game magazines, but it turned out she bought me like Inquest and Scry, and she gave it to me. And I was like, I was like, I don't know what the heck any of this stuff is. I was like, this doesn't help me beat Final Fantasy. But then I flipped through them and I got to read about magic, and I was like, oh, this this game sounds pretty sweet. Um, and so then I looked into it and went and bought some cards and started playing. Um, but I quit, you know, multiple times. Like school got in the way and all this other stuff. But I've playing, been playing consistently probably since Mirrodin, I would say. And then Magic Online, I joined up right after Darksteel tried to come out on Magic Online. Oh, lordy. I remember the beta for that. Yeah. It's a miracle. That's a miracle that I continued to play Magic Online when I literally started like two weeks before Darksteel came on. <laughs> well, it's pretty much... Um... The ultimate in um, rubbernecking a car crash, really. I mean, you just had to see what happens next. Will they try <laughs> Chuck's virtual party again? <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Uh, yeah. yeah. How bad does it have to be before we get more free stuff? <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. All right. But, uh, yeah, just let us know how long you've been playing Magic and whatever metric you want to measure that by. Well, AJ, that'll kind of wrap things up. So uh, what you been playing? I've been um, dabbling into um, working out how to uh, get the best out of miracles with cards, which perhaps most people have forgotten. There's a couple from uh, the Wrath Cycle, uh, Crumbling Sanctuary and Penance from uh, Stronghold and Exodus, uh, I believe, respectively. Um for those who don't, Crumbling Sanctuary for the mask. That was the the artifact that like got let you mill cards instead of taking damage. The Crumbling Sanctuary. Yeah, that was that was a mask uh, block card. I remember playing that in uh, old extended many many years ago. That's um, what do you think? something sanctuary. Yeah, anyway, some other um, sanctuary. Yeah, it's the uh, um, enchantment for which. Um, uh, I believe was uh, prevent uh, the damage target instant or sorcery would do uh, by putting a card on top of your library from your hand. Hmm. Uh, that is penance. That's the one I saw. Because I, w- I was going to ask you about that. I was like, how does this combo work? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, penance is the one which um, hoses black and red spells by doing the same thing. Ah, I see. You've essentially got two three mana white enchantments which do much as, which which give you protective benefits at the cost of putting a card from your hand on top of your library. Yeah, that uh, seems pretty good. Uh, put time walk on top of your library <laughs> and yep. prevent damage. Add lots of card draw to make sure you have plenty of options as to which miracle you want to inflict on your opponent next, and of course to um, activate it during. Um, uh, your opponent's turn, and you're laughing. Yeah. Seems pretty good. Oh, look, my opponent just played a um, vast army of hasty creatures which are beating in for the kill. Okay, right. Instant speed draw spell, uh, hold down control, target the sanctuary um, at that uh, draw spell, and use that to put terminus on top of my library. Ouch. <laughs> yep, that resolves. The draw resolves. Terminus comes into play. 
his hasty army of I'm dead is gone. And what's not to like? Who knew who knew instant speed one mana of wrath of God would be good? <laughs> yes, especially if you could choose when and where to have an instant speed one mana wrath of God. Yeah. Alright, seems pretty good. <laughs> Fun stuff. Uh that's cool. Alright. As for myself, uh I've just been continuing to draft uh Avis and Restored. Getting a little bit better at the format, performing a little little better. Um, it's, I don't know, it's, I, I'm not big on these incredibly removal light formats, um, which is what Avacim Restored appears to be. It's just hard to get, um, non-unconditional removal, um, so that makes it kind of tricky, and it's pretty aggressive, uh, from what I have seen. But, uh, I've gotten to do some fun stuff. I actually had a draft the other day where I got, I had Champion of Lamholt. Um, again, and I actually used the card correctly this time by attacking with everything, but I managed to miracle blessings of nature onto it one time. So my opponent was like, oh, and suddenly nothing he has can block and he's going to take a million damage uh, from that. Seems good. Yeah. Another good one was uh, blessings of nature. It was actually in that same deck. I blessing of nature on Falcon Wrath Exterminator. Um who has two, two and a red, and he deals damage to a creature equal to the number of plus one, plus one counters on him. So for one mana, he suddenly became a machine gun. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Yeah. Right. That's pretty much um, all we have this week. So uh, yeah. until next time, all the best. Yeah, look forward to more spoilers next week, hopefully. And uh, yeah. All right, take it easy, guys.